Hello and welcome to Shop Talk. On this episode, we're going to be reading and discussing Tablets 4 and 5 of David Ferry's rendering of Gilgamesh. On our last episode, we read through Tablets 2 and 3. Our first takeaway was that Gilgamesh and Enkidu have already started to develop an incredibly close bond and a very, very close friendship in spite of the fact that they started off by wanting to kill each other and rip each other's faces off. Our second takeaway is that the boys are now setting out on an adventure and Gilgamesh is crossing into the unknown on his hero's journey. And our third takeaway is that Gilgamesh was already starting to show some signs of maturity and growth as a character. So we're gonna have to see if his growth continues over the next few tablets. So, sit back and enjoy Tablets 4 and 5. Tablets 4 and 5, Part 1. The two of them traveled 50 leagues a day, never resting except at night, trying to rest, stopping only once a day to eat. In three days' walk, 150 leagues, a three weeks' walk for an ordinary man. The third day, Enkidu found the hidden water to quench their thirst and offer to the god. They dug a well and drank their fill and offered a libation to the god. Then Gilgamesh climbed to a high place on the mountainside and offered the god an offering of flour. May the mountain bring a fortunate dream from Shamash. They made camp there that night, and Enkidu prepared a sleeping place, prepared a shelter against the wind that blew along the mountain. The two of them sheltered themselves against the wind. After a time, the oblivion of sleep poured in upon the king, the strongest of all. He slept but at midnight suddenly awoke and awakened the companion, Enkidu. Did you call out to me just now in the night? Why did I waken? Was it you that touched me? Was it a god went through the camp, a dream? What makes my skin creep? I had a dream. I dreamed we were going through a mountain gorge and the huge mountain fell down on the two of us. We were as little as flies compared to the mountain. Enkidu, born in the wilderness, replied, The dream you dream tonight is fortunate. The mountain that you dreamed is about Huawa. Huawa will fall down like a mountain and die. His dead body will lie on the plain like a mountain. On the next day they traveled fifty leagues and fifty leagues a day for two days more. Then Enkidu found the water. They dug a well to quench their thirst and offered to the god, and Gilgamesh offered his offering of flour. May Shamash grant a fortunate dream tonight. Enkidu, born in the wilderness, made a shelter. The two of them sheltered themselves against the wind. After a time, the oblivion of sleep poured in upon the king. He fell asleep, but at midnight suddenly woke up disturbed and said to the companion Enkidu, Did you call out to me in the night? Was it you that touched me? Was it a god went through the camp? In the dream I had, a great bull head was thrashing over my body in glory and bellowing over me, me, helpless on the ground. The breath of the bull snout breathed on me. The bellowing bull noise shook the earth and broke it open. The choking dust rose up and filled the dream. Then one brought water to me in my dream. The dream you dream tonight is fortunate. The bull you dreamed of in your dream is not the demon enemy guardian of the forest. The bull is Shamash. The wrestling is his blessing. The one who brought you water is your father. On the next day they traveled fifty leagues. In three days' time, 150 leagues, a three weeks' walk for an ordinary man. Then Enkidu found the place to dig a well, to quench their thirst and offer to the god, and Gilgamesh made his offering of flour. May Shamash grant a fortunate dream tonight. Enkidu, born in the wilderness, made a shelter. The two of them sheltered themselves against the wind and a shower of rain that passed across the mountain. 
After a time, the oblivion of sleep poured in upon the king. He slept, but at midnight suddenly awoke and said to the companion, Did you just call out to me just now in the night? Why did I waken? Was it you that touched me? Was it a god went through the camp? A dream? What makes me fearful? I had a dream. The earth shook and the sky shook, and a white glare filled up the sky. And then... There was nothing at all but silence and darkness, and after that the lightning broke out and the thunder everywhere, and then the rain was fire that was raining down, and then the rain was ashes raining down. Let us go back from the mountain, down to the plain. Let us consider all these things together, but Enkidu once again told Gilgamesh that the dream he had dreamed that night was fortunate. So day after day they journeyed on to the forest. There were other dreams that disturbed the sleep of the king, night after night as they journeyed to the forest, and Enkidu always said they were fortunate. Gilgamesh, weeping, prayed to the god Shamash, Be mindful of the promise asked in Uruk. Guard and protect those who go on your errand, to kill the demon hateful to the god. Protect us as we pass through fearfulness. There was a noise in the sky that spoke and said, Seven terrors are the garments of Huawa. The aura of Huawa is the terrors. Helpless is he who enters the cedar forest when the demon wears the seven. Hurry, Huawa has not put on the seven. He wears but one. So, any questions? I guess in this first section, we're, what's really coming out to me is these three dreams and sort of what they're saying about who Gilgamesh is. So here he is on this camping trip <laughs> on his way to do a battle against Hawawa. Um, but each night they stop and go to sleep, he has a really scary dream that causes him to scream out and he seeks comfort from his friend Inkdu um, to kind of like cheer him on and, and tell him everything's going to be okay. What do you make of that? As a parent, I make that I'm going to steal that move when my kids have bad dreams. <laughs> Enkidu is just, he's a completely different type of guy than, than Gilgamesh. He has a completely different skill set. Even though the, he was kind of created to be his equal, yeah. he's way more kind of sensitive and emotional, it seems, than Gilgamesh. Yeah, like so he's in tune not only with the earth, but he's also seemingly in tune more with gods and with spirituality. And I guess that's my biggest takeaway from this, is, is even though these two are closer than ever, they're also more different than ever in, in my eyes. Well, and that makes them sort of a good foil for each other, right? So that whole yin and the yang, the the brutish and paired with the uh, sensitive. It just several pages ago, Gilgamesh was sort of on Inkadu's case for being a coward and not... Um, you know, what happened to you? Where's your courage? And here we are hearing that, you know, kind of the insecurity is really within Gilgamesh. I was ready for him to, like, pack up his weapons and turn and run away. He, it really sort of seems like that. He gets, he gets to the part of his adventure that he was most looking forward to, and he's ready to cut and run because he, it's almost like he just doesn't have the guts to follow through to the end. And he counts on Inkadu to push him forward. Right, right. So let's see what happens. Part two. They came to the cedar forest that grew upon the sides of the cedar mountain, throne of Ernini, forbidden dwelling place of immortal gods. This was the place the guardian demon guarded to frighten away the daring mortal who would venture there. But who would venture there? This was the place Huawa was. Huawa's breath is death, beautiful as the forest. Green upon green the cedars, fragrant the air with the fragrance of cedar trees. The box that grew along the silent walks of the guardian demon, shadowed and still, utterly still, was fragrant. 
Then Gilgamesh was afraid, and Enkidu was afraid, and they entered into the forest afraid, the two of them together, and felled some cedars. The guardian of the cedar forest roared. Then followed confusions of voices and also of hearts. The life of man is short. Helpless is he who enters the forest. Protect us as we pass through fearfulness. Where is the strength, the courage? Always the face of Hawawa was somewhere there. There was the noise of swords, daggers, and axes, confusions of noises in the cedar forest. Then Gilgamesh saw the face of Hawawa the demon and fled from the face, hiding himself away. And Enkidu found him and said, Two people, companions, they can prevail together against the terror. There was the noise of swords, daggers, and axes, confusions of noises in the cedar forest. Always the face of Hawawa was somewhere there. The guardian of the forest roared, and then the companions fought each other in the confusions of hearts, confusions of noises, swords, and axes. Then Enkidu saw the face of Hawawa the demon and fled from the face, hiding himself away, and Gilgamesh found him and said, Two people, companions, they can prevail together against the terror. Then Gilgamesh said, The face of Hawawa keeps changing. Enkidu said, You are the strongest of all. Gilgamesh, weeping, cried out to the god Shamash, Protect us as we pass through fearfulness. Then Shamash heard the prayer of Gilgamesh and raised up thirteen storms against Hawawa. The wind of Samuru, and the north wind, and the south wind, and the west wind, and the east wind, and the bone-cold wind, and the great storm wind, and the great snow wind, and the ice wind, and the sand wind, and the screaming wind, and the devil wind, and the bad wind. He raised up thirteen storms to beat against the face of the aura of the demon Huawa, beating their tempest feet upon the earth, and breaking the earth wide open, splitting the mountains, lightning and thunder revolving everywhere. Then Gilgamesh was able to get at him. Ooh, some spooky stuff happening in this, <laughs> yeah. in this section. It's a short section, but it packs a punch. It sure does. So I, I'm interested to, about how these voices that they're hearing in the forests are sort of echoing the the their own insecurities and the things that they're worried about. Yeah, I love that these are all lines that we've heard before or they're lines that we'll hear again. And they're important lines, too. The life of man is short. That's one of the major recurring themes in the book. Where is the strength, the courage? Yeah, we heard that. We just talked about that, how how um, Gilgamesh was challenging Enkidu in the last section. And so it's almost like the Cedar Forest is like mocking these characters. It knows that they're afraid and it's spitting their words back at them to maybe intimidate them even more. Exactly. Um, I think another important part of this is this idea of friendship between Enkidu and Gilgamesh. So we know that this is the oldest story recorded. Um, and even the oldest story is a story of friendship. I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And two men working together can overcome any challenge is another incredibly important line that is repeated. Two people, companions, they can prevail together against the terror. Yes, they can, but let's not dismiss the the power of divine intervention here. Let's talk about that. So we have Enkidu and Gilgamesh. They have psyched themselves up for this battle. They get in to face Hawawa, and they almost like completely melt and wet their pants. And that's where the gods step in. Shamash sends these 13 winds to knock out Hawawa, and then they go into great detail saying each and every name of those 13 winds, and it's the wind of Samuru, and the great storm wind, and the blah, blah, blah. That's a convention, a poetic convention called cataloging, where you just spit a whole bunch of information that you really need to hold on to. It's not always the smoothest, and this is, I think, an example of of it being a bit clunky, but it's information that's there just for, for the audience and for the person reciting 
editing the poem so that they can keep track of where they're at in the story. So Shamash really clears the way, and he makes sure that Gilgamesh and Enkidu are going to be able to get in there and do their thing. Right, right. And it looks like that's going to work out well for our heroes. Let's see. Part three. Huawa spoke and said to Gilgamesh, I will cut down the trees for you. Make me your servant. Shamash has sent you upon this errand against me. You are the child of the Lady Wildcow Ninsun. You are the king in Uruk. I will be guardian of the wood to build the gates of the city of Uruk. Enkidu spoke and said to Gilgamesh, Do not listen to the demon. He must be killed. Obliterated utterly. Listen to me, Huawa said. Do not listen to him who has neither father nor mother, child of the wilderness. When Enlil hears of this, the first of gods, the god of the wilderness, Enkidu knows that there will be a curse because of this. Enkidu said, The demon must be killed before Enlil and the other gods are told. Huawa must be killed, and you must build, out of the wood of the tallest cedar, a gate. A gate for the city, a great monument, telling how Gilgamesh slew the guardian of the forest. Then the two of them together seized the demon, and by the tongue pulled all his insides out. And so he died. Then Gilgamesh built the gate, made from the cedar taller than all the rest of the cedar trees that grew in the cedar forest. They built a raft, and they floated the gate to the city. Enkidu steered the raft, and Gilgamesh carried the head of Huawa, the guardian of the forest. So our heroes are headed back to Uruk with the biggest door you've ever seen. As their prize. Right. Um, I, I thought there was a second here when maybe Gilgamesh was questioning what to do. Hawawa sounds like he can be pretty convincing. And he's negotiating with Gilgamesh, like, please don't kill me, I'll be your servant. Um, Gilgamesh needs Enkidu at this time to push him forward and, and really kind of convince him, like, no way, we came here to kill this guy, let's kill this guy. So it's a, it's a big old dub. These guys are heading back to Uruk, successful in the journey that no man has ever taken. They've overthrown the beast that nobody ever thought could be, uh, could be killed. Oh, God, I forgot my watch. What time is it? I don't know, let me look. Oh, it's time for our takeaway. Takeaway number one has got to be this dream sequence. Uh, we learn a lot from these dreams. It can could be considered foreshadowing of the battle ahead and the and the journey of these friends. And we also get to kind of get a softer side of Gilgamesh and and get a little bit more into the humanity of who he is. Um, sharing these insecurities with his friend Inkadu and allowing himself to be comforted and reassured by Inkadu too. Yeah, and that feeds right into our second takeaway, which is this reminder that the oldest story ever written or the oldest story ever told is a story of two friends, two companions who work together to overcome the challenges of their lives, all in the hopes of allowing their names and their legacies to, to live on. And here we are, uh, 4,000 years later, talking about this semi-fictional king of Uruk. Right, and this powerful king who's able to defeat Hawawa. But I would say the third takeaway is that even these strong, powerful, beastly creatures cannot um, conquer uh, something like Hawawa alone. They do require this divine intervention, and I think it speaks a little bit to this age and, and what was happening um, when this was written and told, that, that people were really did count on and assume divine intervention had a huge part in... Um, all aspects of their life, really. Yeah, and I think that they were probably, the, the people who, who were writing it were probably a, a little bit afraid to commit to the idea of a man being more powerful than a god. And so I'm wondering if that played a role in 
you know, that part of the story being written in the first place. You know, like the idea of of allowing a man to knock out Huawa by himself without a god might have seemed sort of sacrilegious mm. at the time. But, right. But whatever, that's off topic. Here, here we go again, Arch. Getting off topic. Rambling on. Yeah. Rambling on. Yeah. Next one coming up soon. Yeah. Let's see one. what happens in Tablet 6. Yep. It seems like just from uh, reading the first page there, I can't wait. Me neither. <laughs> see you then. Seven terrors are the garments of Huawa.